0: Worms crawl in, the worms crawl out They'll eat your guts and spit them out and when your bones begin to rot the worms remain but you do not so don't ever laugh as the hearse goes by for someday you'll be next in line and when death brings his cold despair ask yourself will anyone
1: care macabre may not be suitable for all audiences listener discretion is advised my heart rate just went up
0: i know mine too i just like it's like <gasps> <laughs> my, my
1: watch is, like, whoa, whoa. my watch keeps telling me uh you are sitting and your heart rate keeps going up over 100 beats a minute you need to calm down
0: Be like do i though? i mean I'm tell too
1: excited m- yeah, i know
0: it's like d- don't tell me that i can't control this <laughs> um
1: here we are hi <laughs> <laughs> welcome back
0: you caught us in the act of just being off topic like normal.
1: <laughs> just normal debauchery and shenanigans.
0: <laughs> just the normal. <laughs> How's it going, friends? This is, well, you know, macabre. I would hope you know that by now, but, you know.
1: Yeah, we're what, about don't. halfway through the alphabet.
0: Yeah. Is that crazy?
1: It is crazy.
0: Oh, and okay. We we have to keep it a secret right now, but we really have some cool stuff in store for later. I know, for the fall, oh. the
1: spooky season.
0: Yes. It's coming.
1: <laughs>
0: and I'm excited. I'm definitely one of those people that like plans my Halloween costume out in January. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween doesn't die here,
1: friends. I think October is going to be our greatest month ever because I think so the content we have planned plus there's some bonus episodes Uh and there are some things coming out in the media that kind of correlate to our topics so yeah it's going to be a fun spooky season for sure
0: yeah like freakily so we we've kind of brought that up quite a few times but the synchronicities are just kind of wild i'm not gonna lie (laughs) it's like oh we're all we got that group thing going on or
1: something. Something's going the, on. The universe wants macabre. It
0: does. I don't know if that's good or bad, but hey. Here we are. Here we are. Um, K. Not like okay, K. but like K. We're on K. K. The letter K. Dang, K. <laughs> well, yeah. We have the misfortune of me leading this episode today. Uh, K is for kiss of death. And I can't take credit for this because Hallie actually was working on this episode and actually taught me about this lady. So I have to give credit to her for this because I'm taking over what she was putting down. And this is a crazy fun story.
1: It just makes my life easier.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Be like, hey, you hear about this topic? Let's cover it.
1: I would love for you to cover this topic. Yes. Hey,
0: I'm not opposed. (laughs) I love doing this stuff. So you might be curious because kiss of death can mean different things, but we're about to lay it down. Female serial killer from the Renaissance era, and we're going to be talking about makeup, women who inspired to be widows, a woman that started an underground business that really made a killing. So please, we're inviting you to join us to talk about the lady behind over 600 murders and the soup that ended it all. Zupa Tifana, anyone?
1: <laughs> and I love soup so much. <laughs> Me
0: too. I, I, I'm i not going to lie. When I was researching and putting the notes up, a couple times people at work were like, hey, uh, we should go and get so-and-so's soup today for lunch. And I'm like, mm No, thank you. Because this, this is wild. We're talking about Julia Tifana today i I was kind of mysterious in the beginning but her name is julia tefana um there's a lot with her now this this says a lot because there's a lot to unpack but there really isn't a lot of resources on her and over time the information more and more of it is getting lost so if you haven't heard of her that is completely fine because before hallie brought her up i had no idea who she was and I am a mega nerd for the Renaissance era, so I'm I'm a little bummed that I never knew about this prior.
1: Well, it's crazy because you don't often hear about female serial killers. I think right. probably the most common one that people know about from back in the day is um, Elizabeth Bathory. Yes. And I'm not sure what the body count is. And there's even some... There's some questionable things with that particular Mm -hmm. case now that's coming out and saying that maybe she really wasn't the monster that people thought she was. Maybe she was set up because of her wealth and people owed her money and all these Mm -hmm. other things. So to have another person who we know for a fact killed, what, at least 600 people? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, we'll get into that, give or take. Okay. Um, Still a a lot. Still.
0: Yeah, definitely. And uh, back to Bathory, that is, I can believe both sides. And, I mean, we've seen that throughout history where, I mean, people have been put in a bad light. And in reality, it was just to, you know, kind of crap on their parade in a sense because Mm -hmm. they're just trying to, yeah. Yeah. But, oh. Mm. Yes. Julia really did do some things and in order to kind of understand where this is coming from because people who have discussed her her profession and her life actually have moral debates about her uh she's that's a pretty well-known uh discussion topic when they talk about her as a person and what she did and we'll get into that because i think a lot of people have some contradictory thoughts on her but we need to kind of begin with how her life began. So I think it's kind of appropriate to say the woman, the myth, the legend in this case, because as we were talking about before, there isn't a lot to go off of for Julia Tifana, uh, but there's a lot to talk about with what we do know. And we need to start by saying that we do not (laughs) condone murder or violence. I would hope at this point we everybody knows that uh, viewer discretion is advised. <laughs> Listener discretion is advised. Um, it everything. was a
1: different time. It was it a was. very different time for women in general. So I think I'm sure you're yes. probably going to bring that into the conversation. But like,
0: absolutely, the
1: way that women were treated mm-hmm. by their it's- spouses. I think, you know, that all probably comes into play.
0: It absolutely does. And that is a good thing to bring up also right now. This is probably going to be a trigger warning for some people. So please take that into consideration because we're going to delve into a couple of things. We won't go into depth on it, but we have to touch it. Uh, So yes, we don't condone murder or violence but i mean that goes for all of our content but like we were talking about people are debating on whether julia's actions were um, morally right or wrong due to the circumstances of the time but julia was born in palermo in 1620 her mother was tefania d'amato which that might ring a bell for a couple people she was a little Famous in her own right. In 1633, when Julia was 13, Tifania murdered her own husband and was put to death.
1: And so it begins. And so
0: it <laughs> begins.
1: And wasn't she <laughs> burned at the stake? Yes. As a yes. witch? Well, kind of like a witch?
0: A witch, yeah. Because uh, they technically counted what she had done as some type of sorcery. Makes um sense. Yeah, so there's there's a couple of accounts of her, and Julia just kind of followed in her footsteps, and she, Tifania allegedly had passed down her secret recipe to Julia before her death. And, I mean, obviously, we're not talking about cookies here, people. We're talking about poison.
1: <laughs> Murder. One part- Murder. One <laughs> part arsenic, two parts belladonna. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, Yeah. Uh, going into again arsenic was in fucking everything we're just gonna bring that back (laughs) um julia actually turned out to be quite the skilled brewist chemist poisonous whatever the appropriate title is. she was freaking skilled at it uh she started her own business basically from the time of her mom's death up until her own and her business was growing very rapidly so her her line of business was her own creation and selling of legitimate cosmetics. But she had that secret side earning as well of the, we'll call it, well, she called it something very pretty called Aquatifana. Sounds like a very fancy perfume.
1: Yeah, that was <laughs> what I was going to say. It sounds like a lovely perfume.
0: Yeah. And it had a lot of other names. Uh, There were a lot of different ways that people had talked about it. And there's some kind of funny ones that we could make up on the spot. But it was mostly known, aka, as the divorce potion, widow juice, widow maker. Uh, (laughs) Some Harry
1: Potter stuff right there. (laughs) Oh, yeah,
0: for sure. So now that we know what she did. Let's kind of take a history lesson with Renaissance society, especially in Italy. Of course, it was a very religious time. And though religious played a large aspect in people's lives, people were kind of freaking wild, too, on the other side of it. I think it'd be kind of fun to just talk about that because there's some cop stuff that happened just around the wild side of people back in the day.
1: Isn't that the way it always goes? Like, you've got (laughs) your... Your spectrum of ultra religious, but then when you're behind closed doors, it's like mm-hmm. they're they're the freaks in the shape. Yeah, they're the so wild people.
0: Yeah. yeah. They like to throw fingers, but really you gotta watch out for them.
1: <laughs> I think they're throwing <laughs> more than fingers.
0: Oh, they're they're throwing a lot of things. They're putting things where <laughs> things don't belong, also. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> when I say wild, I mean wild. <laughs> even modern day people would blush at some of the things they used to do <laughs> so what are the contexts because we really do need to to let people know how it was and this is just matter of fact men ran the show sounds like a broken record I know but it was true and no matter what class people fell under women were really honestly considered property and literally treated like things to be sold in a business or profit, like not making an exaggeration on this. This was literally how it was. And women were not allowed to make their own decisions. They were controlled by their fathers until they were sent off to be married. And then they were basically immediately controlled by their husbands. There was no in between for them. Their options to make a living were super limited. You either got married, became a sex worker, joined a nunnery, which, guess what, was actually reserved for specific situations, mind you, or they became a widow. On the other side of mm. it, men took their role as heads of household, like, super seriously. Mmm, yes. And a lot of times, they took the biggest advantage of the role, also. So this is kind of where... The trigger warning comes into play. A large majority of men were very abusive to their wives, and we're talking openly abusive. It was seen as normal to see women in the streets and the markets with visible bruises. It was expected of a woman to look beautiful to make their husbands proud, and it was part of a lady's job to do so. It was also part of a lady's job to cover up whatever had been done, let's just say, by the husband. Wives poisoning their husbands was also not that uncommon, believe it or not. And at one point, there had been an article published in the paper for people to be cautious when eating and drinking at one point in time because there was a high rate of poisonings. (laughs) I mean, what kind <laughs> so of... So
1: just, what do you do? Just starve, <laughs> starve yourself? You're yeah. on a diet? No yep. drinking? No eating?
0: I'm on that and, non-arsenic diet.
1: <laughs> and I imagine that the men weren't doing any of those duties at home. So it was like right. the, the women were cooking mm-hmm. and and providing. So, yeah. Oh,
0: most definitely. So, mm. huh. like I said, Wild. <laughs> So this was kind of how women saw their only way out sometimes. Uh, Which is unfortunate when it comes down to that being your only way out. It, mm, it's, it's gruesome. It's nasty. So another thing that was really coming into play in the Renaissance era was fashion. Obviously the Renaissance was known for new fashions but fashion wasn't always in the clothes anymore. In this time frame, other products became fashionable like perfumes and cosmetics, which is why the makeup business really grew in this time. Which is where Julia comes in. Julia's business grew rapidly and her success actually moved her from Sicily to Naples and then finally to Rome, where she had a Broad background and underground network of people who helped her fatal reputation stay hidden. And the group that she had, that she considered her most loyal, were her daughter, which I don't know her name of. I apologize for that. um, Some associates that ran the regular storefront with the normal cosmetics. And allegedly, even a priest Hmm. helped her. Yeah. Yeah. There are also some speculations that there were people who held a certain status in Rome that helped her. Individuals that were also in the police force were secretly helping her. So her front was cosmetics, but she had that little secret as we know now but if you wanted the widowmaker product aquatofana you had to be referred by a trusted client who had the used the product prior
1: hmm
0: yeah she was
1: quite strict like, with it's like fight club <laughs> you gotta yeah. get an invite
0: first rule about fight club you don't talk about yes. fight club first rule <laughs> is, about aquatofana you don't talk about it don't Tufana. talk about
1: it you just ask for the soup of the day
0: yep Zupa Toscana, Zupa Tavana. <laughs> I think you pronounced that wrong. I mean, no, no. Uh, <laughs> so this was actually such a, a an important part of this particular product for Julia that she personally would sit down with prospective clients, and they would go through an interview process with her, and. She would not let out the secret until that client had proven to her that she was, he or she, because she sold to men as well, were trustworthy and that they would be able to act out what needed to be acted out and to keep the secret. Once, and usually her customers were women, but there were some men. And once the the woman was deemed reliable, she would be taught the exact steps to take and even how to act in order for the widow-to-be to keep a good image and to keep suspicions off of her. akotafana came in a really beautiful bottle and was thought to be made from mm, lead, arsenic, belladonna, which is a deadly nightshade. Now, we know by now that this wasn't necessarily... Uh, Uncommon, let's just say, for ingredients for cosmetics or anything at that time. But the difference here was Julia actually knew the ins of uh, ins and outs of how f- like absolutely fatal <laughs> these yeah, ingredients were. The
1: ingredients were yeah yeah.
0: And something else that she had designed was the bottle was designed beautifully on purpose. It was a blend that would look perfectly quaint, and fit right in with everything else on a lady's vanity table. It even came with instructions on how to apply it to your face for that youthful glow as a cover-up. And this is kind of where it gets interesting. It would sometimes come in a bottle with a label inscribed as Manna of St. Nicholas of Bari. Uh, It was a very popular healing ointment at the time for acne and other blemishes and rashes um, that would give your face a glow and to heal up what you were trying to heal up. And I think this is really cheeky. And here's why. <laughs> this is the name, St. Nicholas, right? The same St. Nicholas that we know in popular culture today is Santa Claus.
1: For the rosy cheeks.
0: For the rosy cheeks.
1: Yeah, and that's
0: clever. Uh-huh. Oh, there's a little more more in depth background on Saint Nicholas and I didn't know this. So, obviously we know that he was a saint that gave very generous gifts to people out of the blue just to help because he was a good dude, obviously. But did you know that he also was the patron the patron saint of unmarried women? Like, the protector of unmarried women (laughs) and women during marriage.
1: Scandalous.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Cheeky indeed, Julia. Very cheeky. (laughs) So, basically, this bottle was undetectable because you know that the dude of the household isn't gonna know. Yeah. He's gonna be like, this is my wife's vanity table. She's got a lot of creams and stuff. (laughs) <laughs> look at it you know did
1: you in your research did you happen to find an image of what that bottle looks like I
0: did oh uh, awesome oh I should find it because I didn't include a picture in my notes but it is really beautiful
1: is it like glass and yeah etched? I just it's kind an of etched, picture it tiny in my bottle
0: mind. yeah it's it's kind of what you would picture it it truly is it's just this really cute little glass engraved. Oh, it's pretty. And it doesn't so take pretty. a lot, I'm sure, to accomplish no. your mission. No, not at all. It was two to four drops in a liquid. Holy shit. Yep. But here's the thing. This wasn't just an instantaneous thing. It was something that propelled over time, which is what made the whole thing so successful for people. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, why don't we break that down? It was a gradual process and... In the first stages and basically until the end, it looked like a natural case of the flu. So the after the first dosing of one to two drops, it began with exhaustion and weakness of the body, very lethargic. Upon the second dose, that's when stomach aches would start, vomiting, and in most cases dysentery would occur. By the third or fourth dose, the victim was deceased.
1: So depending on how quickly they dosed this person, Mm -hmm. it could make it seem more of a natural cause of death. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, what are we talking like over the course of a few days?
0: A few days to even up to like a week or two, depending on. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, And in most cases... I mean well let's let's look at the time. At that point in time there would be absolutely no evidence that people could trace back then because they didn't have the means to know in a body. No
1: testing. Exactly. No way to test, yeah.
0: Right. And doctors and investigators even though they would come in because they would have to examine the body especially for higher households because usually wills were involved which is where this comes in. So they would, investigators and doctors would see this as, oh, the victim had an unknown illness or a disease that just came out of nowhere and boom, there it is. But the slow progression of how the poison played itself out, it made the person believe that they had come down with an illness or a disease from something just completely random. And it left them enough time to get their affairs in order because it was severe enough that they thought, I might not make it out of this, but not enough to be like, I am dying, you know. So what affairs are they getting in order? The will. So in this case, we talked about how Julia would tell people how to act. This is where the acting came into play. Wives would take this opportunity to act as the very distraught spa, distraught, (laughs) distraught (laughs) spouse, Waiting on their husbands like their life depended on it in order to influence the husband's decision on who would be that winner on that will. (laughs) I'm here
1: for you. (laughs) I'm here for you. I'm here for (laughs) for y'all. Stay by your side. I will take care of you. Let me make you you
0: some more soup. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure I'll make it better. (laughs) Oh, Let's just say wives were very impressed with the results. (laughs) So yeah, uh, I mean, morbidly, this is—it's—it's it's morbid, but it's true. I mean, this shit laid this this played out like this, and it really this made Julia's business just boom because. Let's what was she face was charging?
1: What That's what I want to know. You didn't I find think, any
0: statistics. Uh, I really believe it depended because she had a really big soft spot for women going through abuse. Oh, Yeah. And it is, there aren't a lot of uh, documents really portraying this whole event, but a lot of them documented that she helped women from all classes.
1: Yeah. Um, I remember um, reading that as well.
0: Yeah. And she, I mean, she really took to heart some of the abuse that she was seeing. So she, I, I mean, I guess in that way, I mean, she, she cared.
1: It wasn't about the money. It was about
0: helping women
1: get out of bad situations.
0: Exactly. And I'm wholeheartedly assuming that that really stemmed from her childhood, especially with what happened with her parents. Um, I really think that that played a big portion of it, which is why so many people debate the morality of it and how she thought it was moral because of women didn't have a choice. I mean murder and violence isn't right in any way, shape, or form. But a lot of people are debating because is, was this really truly for profit or was this coming from a better intention in her mind? You know, like,
1: like a vigilante Dexter yeah. type situation.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it, it, It truly seemed that it didn't matter to her what class or how much money you could dish out. She was willing to help. And being that as it was, she did truly sell to all classes in the numbers. (laughs) Uh, Some sources say that she was actually very openly well-respected for her products and she was very beloved by women not just for her normal day-to-day cosmetics also mind you she was very well respected and some sources say that she was actually in business for over 50 years without being detected wow yeah uh and with how careful julia And her associates were, too, with the interviewing process and everything. How many years she had been doing it, it all ended with a fucking bowl of soup. (laughs) Yeah. Just take one
1: person to fuck that (laughs) up. Yep. Just one person.
0: Yeah. You had one job. No, just kidding. But she kind of did. That's basically what Julia said. (laughs) You have one job, I I guess. This is what you want.
1: That's why she was vetting people. So, you know, to make sure that, like, are you in or are you not? Like, you need to see this thing through.
0: Yep. Either you commit and it's go big or go home, people.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So, we're on to the tale of Zupa Tafana. Yeah. The downfall. (laughs) The Zupa Tafana. A young woman came to Julia. And she just really wanted that bottle of widow juice. And Julia had sat her down, done the interview process, and she had deemed that her client passed the tests. and she gave her a bottle. This woman took it home. She made some soup for her husband. And she served him this big old bowl of Zupa Tifana. But before he had a spoonful, she freaked out. And was like, don't freaking eat this. And she forced him to put, like, she threw the bowl, like, just got him away from this. And so he understandably was like, uh, what the hell? <laughs> what is going on here? He too much fought, garlic
1: in there, dear. Yeah. <laughs> too much, too much garlic.
0: garlic. Too much onion. Too <laughs> much garlic. Uh <laughs> It's just not, it's not the way. I experimented with the soup. Don't, don't taste it. I'm, I'm appalled by it. No. <laughs> <laughs> he ended up forcing her to tell her what the hell was going on. So, and she, she just opened up, like a said, like she told him everything and he immediately handed her over to the police.
1: She narked.
0: She narked. And Julia, obviously we know she had well connections underground and above in society that she knew before things really got bad. So she fled as soon as she found out. She was granted sanctuary in a church, but soon after a rumor had started that she poisoned the city's water supply and the town went nuts and took action.
1: wonder who started that rumor. Yeah. Hmm.
0: I'm sure. I know. <laughs> I think we all know at this point. Uh, she ended up being arrested and she was tortured. And she finally did confess to killing over six hundred men between the years 1633 and 1651. The wow. number, yeah, oh yeah. I mean, that's a lot, anyway. But
1: I, I think that's got to be like the highest body count of any serial killer, other than speculatively Elizabeth Bathory. I think that her numbers mm-hmm. were similar, but I agree. at least with julia Tafana, we know this is true it's not a a fabricated number it's legitimate exactly
0: and no give or take probably uh it could be a little bit higher a little bit lower because we know that her confession came under duress and Mm -hmm. we all know how the torturing back then went it was the tell us what we want to hear and we're gonna keep Torturing you in creatively horrible ways until you tell us exactly what we want you to tell us. Yeah. Um, We know that from all over the damn place.
1: Yeah. Throughout time and history. mm Yeah.
0: And because there are so few articles of documentation about this, the stories kind of differ a little bit about what really happened with Julia. Uh, Many sources say that she was executed in Campo di Fiori in Rome in 1659, along with her daughter and some of her most loyal associates. Some say that after that, her body was thrown off the top of the church that granted her sanctuary, kind of as like a dig at her and the church but Bastards. some yeah exactly but some sources say that she wasn't hung that they just put her in a bag alive and threw her oh my God. from the church yeah so either way that's worse not, yes so whichever way it was true is just yeah horrific oof. yeah horrific yeah. indeed um many of julia's lower class clients were also put to death while some of her upper class clients that were caught were only imprisoned or banished. Just goes to show about the class separations. Yeah, of course, exactly. So that's a big event for any person alone, but she pulled it off in a time where women didn't, I mean, people didn't think women were capable of that, and her legacy had carried on well after her death in some pretty crazy ways. And this is crazy. I, I know we talk about this all the time, but this alone could be something that we covered in an episode as well. Her poison influenced the affair of poisons in France in the 17th century, which led to the rise of La Voisin and the attempted murder of King Louis XIV. So no long way. story. Yeah. 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 So long story short, if you don't know a lot about or at all the, fair, the affairs of poisons in France at that time, uh, the affair of poisons was a murder scandal that involved poisons and black magic in the aristocratic circles that were closest in the king's court to the king. And it took place between the years of 1677 and 1682, many involved tortures and executions. uh, Oh, go ahead.
1: Oh, I was just like, (laughs) oh. Yeah, exactly, right?
0: You're like, oh, aristocratics turning on you like that? I mean, we know that Louis XIV was a time. But yeah, a lot of people in his courts were backstabbers. So, uh, Lavoisin was a nickname given to a woman called Catherine Moivoisin, and she was a French fortune teller, poisoner, and alleged professional sorceress. And she may or may not have been the reason why it all started to begin with. That would be a really cool episode. But there was another case down the line from that that Aquatofana was brought up. On his deathbed, the infamous composer Mozart allegedly claimed that he had been poisoned by Aquatofana. No while way. yeah, while. I mean, Wolfgang's cause of death is actually still not confirmed. So we can't say that this is true or not. Uh, Most likely though, he, I mean, give or take here, this is its own talking point. It probably could have been cooked meat or undercooked meat. Anything undercooked back then could have freaking killed you. Let's be honest. Um, Or underlying health conditions, whether it be Mm -hmm. genetic or brought on by his wild, wild life. (laughs) yeah uh my bet is his death was brought on by illnesses that he brought upon himself from the wildlife that he lived but maybe he's not wrong because his life was so crazy that i wouldn't be surprised if somebody tried poisoning him with aqua tifana, <laughs> but i mean that's another story for another time uh, <laughs> uh
1: next year m
0: <laughs> yes m is for mozart um But yeah, um, as the years have gone on, though, uh, Julia Tafana's legend has grown grown more dim with age. I mean, there's less known about her all the time. Obviously, back then, I mean, look at the time frame. People aren't really making thorough documentation about women back in that time. So, Mm -hmm. you know, take certain details of this with a grain of salt because maybe it's not true, but maybe there's more to it than what we have. Uh, We don't know a lot about her life we just know what has been given to us but despite not having a lot of record of her she her story causes a lot of stir with Mm -hmm. people debating morals and um what she had created and she definitely carried on her mother's legacy
1: pretty crazy life yeah yeah, and who's to say what you would do if you were in any of those positions back in that time frame? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really difficult to say. Um, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I played well, the fifth because yeah. I don't know what I would do if I was in that situation. And I think about people now that are in domestic violence, um, situations and can't leave those situations. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't know, there wasn't any hope for those women back then to no. get into like safe houses and right. to get outside help. So they really felt helpless.
0: Exactly. And the only time women had any sort of freedom truly was if they were widowed because they weren't necessarily obligated to marry again especially yeah. if their husband had been well off enough to save them a certain stipend they could live off of that the rest of their lives mm-hmm. now you know you weren't scrutinized for being a widow but you were still watched quite strictly because women were still supposed to act a certain way but that was the absolute most freedom a woman would have is if they were As widowed a widow. And had a decent will or earnings coming from the passing of their husband. Yeah, it's unfortunate to know. I mean, nowadays there are more resources for people to get out of situations like that. But even so, it's still difficult. And to know back then that there was absolutely nothing. Most of the time, if something happened and you wanted out, you ended up having to work. As a sex worker, because I mean that was basically your only option. Divorce wasn't an option, and we talked about um, going to a nunnery and trying to become part of that whole scene. Uh, that wasn't the get. That wasn't a choice for everyone. We have to remember that also. It it was a scapegoat mostly for women of higher class. But mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily something that a lower class woman could just step up and say, yes, without getting some sort of referral from a family member or, you know, so.
1: Well, and I imagine, too, anyone who went into um, the sex work trade, think about the risks and the dangers involved with that. I mean.
0: Absolutely. Abuse you, and disease. Oh, yeah.
1: And. Yep. I mean, I don't know that it would be better than being with an abusive husband. I just, yeah, I don't know. Because
0: you still don't have any freedom really there. I mean, you're making some sort of living for yourself, but one, it would never be enough to support your life. Mega and stigma. also, exactly, mega stigma. Even though, okay, yes, we're talking about a really religious society. So the stigma openly was horrid. But then you had the double standard because people were also super wild. So the same people Mm -hmm. that ridiculed you on the street would probably be the same people going, what can I get for five dollars? Yeah, exactly. So um, that's that's another thing to consider too is the two-facedness. Crazy times. Crazy times. I hope nobody's hungry for soup or eating soup while they're Uh, listening to this one, (laughs) Zuppa Tufana.
1: I do love that soup at Olive Garden. Actually, I do too. Oh, Zuppa Toscana, right? It is. Mm -hmm. Oh, you can eat breadsticks and soup. Mm -hmm. Count me in.
0: Oh, and the salad. Yes, that's what I go for.
1: (laughs) That's the salad and the soup for Mm -hmm. me. I'm easy. Same. Oh, me
0: too. I'm like "Mm, yes. I want that salad. I want that soup. Me too. (laughs) I'm easily impressed. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get any ideas about me, but I am truly easily entertained.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just bring me good food and and alcoholic (laughs) beverage, and we'll be best friends. (laughs) I'll sit there and munch and
0: yeah. Oh, friends. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I I learned right along with you. And this was a crazy, crazy topic. So thank you, Hallie, for bringing that to my attention because I had never known anything about her.
1: Yeah. Thanks for sharing it with me. I only did a little bit of research, so I got a lot more insight from you, which is awesome.
0: It's fun. I love when we bounce ideas off of each other, like, hey, have you ever heard of this? And then we go and dig it up, and then we're like, okay, who's doing it? Because I won't look at it anymore. I want to be surprised.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's the best. Mm -hmm. Well, do you, you want to wrap this up by telling people where to find us? Just a brief... Oh, yeah. ...little something?
0: Yes, I can. The details is in the soup. No, just kidding. So... We are on a lot of things now. We obviously have our own website. We are on macabrepod.com. And guess what? We are in the heat of the moment when it comes to uh, the hometown macabre. We really, truly want to hear from you. This isn't something that we're saying for our own health, people. We want to hear from you. Um, If you feel comfortable with recording your story we have a little snippet where you can record your voice up to five minutes if your story is longer than that we absolutely invite you to do another uh recording just let us know that there's going to be a part two and when the part two is if you don't feel comfortable with recording your voice you can email us with well not just stories just we want to hear from you uh email us at that's so macabre at gmail.com we're on instagram uh, on the Macabre Pod, we also have a TikTok now. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. TikTok.
0: TikTok is hot, people. TikTok is hot. But how hot is hot? Are we going to get more Macabre hotties up in here? <laughs> we should. Uh, we also have a Facebook group at Macabre Podcast. And guess what? Speaking of Macabre hotties, we're on Patreon. And we have four tiers. We've got our lovely looky-loos, our freaky friends, and our deadly darlings, and yes, our macabre hotties. Go check us out. Yep. We have a lot of extra content on there. Check us
1: out. Join Heck the party. Yeah.
0: Heck yeah. We have a lot of freaking fun over here. And we just want to say, don't forget to rate and review our show. Oh my gosh, uh, our yes. Show.
1: Please. We, okay. Yeah. So we have zero <laughs> ratings on Spotify, people. Come <gasps> on. I know that you use Spotify and it's so easy. They just have a little star next to the podcast. All you have mm-hmm. to do is hit the star. That's it. Just yeah. boop, hit the star. We and love that you. will help us get more exposure. And um, we've been picking up new listenerships in different parts of the country and also internationally around the world.
0: So- Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: So please, please, if you love us, please rate us. It's the biggest way you can support us without yes. giving us any financial support. Yes.
0: And we freaking love you no matter what you do. Yes. So honestly, just listen. listen to us because we're just kind of hanging out over here talking about some crazy weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> and we love to have you guys involved. We really do. That's why we, we truly want to hear from you no matter what it is, please. We want to hear you. And Even, it,
1: even if you have a weird story, you're like, yeah. I heard about this story one time. I noticed that people are starting to be more active on the Facebook group, which is awesome. Heck yes. Thank you, Facebook. Seeing, yeah, I've been seeing more people just kind of posting randomly, which is awesome. Yes. It's really designed to be a community for you to share weird stuff. Yeah. we highly encourage you to do that.
0: Agreed. And... We seriously appreciate you too, for taking time out to listen to us. That means so much to us. So thank so you much. so much. You guys fucking rock. Just so you know. We
1: don't love you. Don't forget that. We love you. And uh, what do you have next? What's the next letter in the alphabet? We have letter
0: L, don't we? And yes. in this case, L is for lycanthropy.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: I can't wait. It's a deep one. Well, I mean, yes, it stems deep, but there's some pretty crazy things to talk about with that. So, And honestly, the, the time that we have for an episode can't cover it all. So these are going to be some brief snippet stories, but would love to come back and cover some of that stuff later.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Stay tuned, friends, because it's about to get really, really crazy.
1: About to get macabre, people. About to get We're macabre. We're going into the crazy season of the year, the spooky season, Mm -hmm. our favorite season. Heck
0: yes. That is so macabre.
1: (laughs) That's so (laughs) macabre. That's so macabre. Well, we will see you next time. Absolutely. Bye, friends. Bye. Bye. Bye.